Don't be agitated by evildoers and, do, and don't envy the wicked. For the evil have no further, have no future, the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Well, we are continuing our journey through Proverbs chapter 24 for the sophisticated reason that this year is 2024. Um, and we're up to verses 19 and 20. The last few weeks, we've learned some different things about uh, building our, our life, building our house on wisdom. That was week one. Last week, Ross was talking about uh, what we do if we see injustice and evil in the world, not to just overlook it and walk past, but to take action. Proverbs feels like uh, lots of short, sharp sayings about how to live. You know, don't make big decisions when you're angry. Um, be a good friend. Tell the truth, work hard, things like that. It feels like just a, a collection of tidbits about how to behave in certain circumstances. And of course, that's, that's true. But there's much more to Proverbs. And in particular, it doesn't only just teach us how to behave in circumstances, it teaches us how to think well, how to uh, have healthy emotions, how to have the right outlook on life. And part of the the way of wisdom is to know how to pursue and find contentment, that sense of peace that, you know, life is, is okay for us. Don't we all crave contentment? Um, not, not mere happiness, but deep, uh, deep, lasting contentment that, uh, you know, all is okay. Comparison crushes contentment. I wonder if you've ever experienced that. Comparing ourselves with others absolutely crushes contentment. There's always someone better off, someone better looking, someone who's more popular, someone with a, a better job or a bigger house. Uh, when we compare ourselves to others, it crushes contentment. I wonder if you know that from experience. Uh, I think it's exacerbated by social media. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, it's, it's so easy to see what's happening in the lives of other people, or at least what they present, and uh, be jealous and think, well, uh, I'm missing out here. Uh, that person's holiday looks better than any holiday I've been on. Um, that person's, um, you know, wardrobe, that's better than mine. Comparison crushes contentment because it leads us to feeling like some element of the good life, some part of life's pleasure uh, is not accessible to us. Now, in this proverb, these two proverb verses of Proverbs that were read for us, there's a particular type of comparison that God's people are to avoid. The toxic version of comparison we know as envy. So have a look at verse 19 with me, Proverbs 24, verse 19. Don't be agitated by evildoers and don't envy the wicked. Um, often in Old Testament poetry, one line after another, they're more or less saying the same thing. So I'm not going to uh, spend too much time trying to work out what the difference is between being agitated by the wicked or the evildoers and don't envy the wicked. It's the same idea expressed in two ways. Don't be disturbed and become jealous about the life of wicked people around us. If you find yourself 
comparing yourself to them and becoming um, envious, don't do it. And verse 20 will tell us why. Um, so the two, the two questions, the question, one question, one encouragement I want to leave with you tonight uh, is to pose the question, do you envy the wicked? It's a really strange question. Maybe you've never thought of asking yourself this question, do you envy the wicked? That's the question uh, posed by verse 19. And the encouragement, the, the response, uh, the way out of that kind of envy is to broaden our perspective uh, and keep eternal justice in mind. So if you're taking notes, uh, they're the two headings. So do you envy the wicked? It's good for us to ask, what is envy? Envy is uh, when we feel uh, unhappy at someone else's success. Maybe uh, you see people around you, uh, life seems to be going really well and you become jealous and you want what they have. In fact, perhaps even you might wish evil, wish ill upon someone that's doing really well. You see someone that you're envious of who seems to have life all worked out, going better than you. And in our, in our weaker moments, you know, we kind of would be a little bit happy if, if uh, they fell into some misfortune. It's a, it's a terrible way to operate. Because when we're comparing ourselves to others and living with envy, it saps our life of joy and peace. Another proverb says this. This is really uh, interesting, isn't it? A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. That's what we want. A tranquil, don't we all would love a tranquil heart? One that's not racing at 100 miles an hour, thinking of all the things we don't have. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Um, I don't know what it looks like for bones to rot, and I think the, this proverb's just using vivid imagery to describe just how envy just saps joy and energy from our life. Uh, envy's a terrible thing. And God's people here are, are told not to envy the wicked. So who are the wicked? That's an important question, isn't it? It's... It's a strong term. We probably are used to uh, having a, a very small category of people when we think of the wicked. You know, people like murderers and uh, people in jail who've committed assault or um, stolen something. But in the Bible, and especially Proverbs, especially Proverbs is quite black and white. According to Proverbs, there, there's only two categories of people in the world, the righteous and the wicked. Now, we might see life with more shades of grey, but uh, I think we need to learn to see the world through God's eyes. And according to him, there's the righteous and the wicked. Uh, and there's wicked people all around us. I think according to Proverbs, the wicked are people who do not acknowledge God. People that don't involve God in their life. They have no regard for him in their decisions. These people might look decent to us, uh, they might exercise kindness. Um, their life might look very similar to us. But uh, if you're approaching life without regard for the Creator and His ways and what He's revealed, that puts you in the category of being an evildoer, someone who is wicked. That's confronting, of course. And uh, as we read these verses, we know that we are uh, culpable uh, as wicked people. We disregard God in different ways. But the good news is, 
uh, if you belong to Jesus, if, if you've put your faith in him and trust him, God has transferred you to the other category, the righteous. Uh, not because we're morally better than the people around us necessarily, uh, but because of God's grace. Um, and it's the, the righteous, God's people, are not to envy the wicked. Now, why, why would you envy people in this category? This is, uh, goes to the heart of what this proverb is about. Why would God's people envy the wicked? Well, I think it comes down to uh, the, the approach to life that the wicked seem to lead. What if you've looked at people around you that aren't believers, uh, they're not in church, that uh, life for them seems carefree. Uh, they seem unconstrained, they're, they're free to uh, build up wealth and behave the way they want without uh, having to think about the, uh, you know, the impositions placed on us by God and in the Bible and church. Uh, maybe they don't experience guilt because they don't have their parents or their youth leaders sort of telling them uh, what kind of life pleases God. Maybe um, there's people around you that uh, you know are more popular at school, but, but you know they're not as, as gentle and kind as, as perhaps you are. This is, it's a double blow, isn't it? Because sometimes we see people's life's life prospering uh, even though they mistreat people and do the wrong thing, whereas here we are trying to live in a way that pleases God and we get lobbed with all kinds of challenges. It doesn't seem fair, does it? If someone who doesn't acknowledge God, their life seems to be going well and it, it could take all manner of... Uh, it could look like lots of things. Maybe they are more popular. Maybe um, they're better at school or have a better job. Maybe... They're, you envy their appearance. Um, maybe uh, for adults that you can see that their career is more successful or they're earning more money. Uh, people like this seem to be able to approach life uh, with a carefree um, just freedom to pursue their own interests. If I, if I had to come up with a, a motto for the wicked... Um, it'd be this. Like, there's a, in the 1980s, there was a musical artist called Belinda Carlisle. Some of you may remember her. I see some nods. Uh, she, she had a song called Heaven is a Place on Earth. Uh, it's a very well-known song. Um, you can Spotify. It's quite catchy. Uh, but isn't that the motto of the wicked? No regard for God. Their approach to life is to build heaven on earth. Do whatever uh, allows them to enjoy earthly things as much as they can. And in the Shire, where, you know, by most standards, life is pretty good, it's very easy uh, to adopt that way of thinking. Forget about God. I'm on about building heaven on earth. Um, now, uh, have you ever found yourself envying people like that? Imagining, imagining that if only your family didn't come to church. If only, uh, you, you know, your life took a different course uh, and you weren't a Christian, that life would be simpler. Life would be free from some of the challenges, some of the, the costs. Um, 
Well, if that's you, this proverb is written for you. Um, perhaps you're sitting here thinking, no, I've never felt like that. Uh, it seems strange. Uh, I've never really envied people in, in that category, unbelievers, um, people that this proverb describes as wicked. I just, that's, that doesn't resonate with me. If that's you, and I, I think there's probably some of us in that category, there could be a few reasons for that. One reason might be that you've learnt the lesson of this proverb in other parts of the Bible, that you understand God's promises and people that are separated, separated from God and, and don't have peace with Him, you, you don't envy them. That would be great. That's, if that's why you don't envy the wicked, uh, that's good. Another possibility, and one which is a bit more confronting, is that as you look at your life and look at their life, there's not much difference. Maybe you're not being persecuted or maybe you're not really on the outside of any social circles uh, because you've not really ever been public about declaring your Christian faith. Maybe uh, the kinds of activities and things you're involved in uh, doesn't look very different to your non-Christian friends or acquaintances. Maybe your material possessions, your, your standard of living, your home, um, where you holiday, maybe that doesn't look very different to people in this category. Maybe you don't feel envy when you compare yourself to the wicked because there's not much difference. Now, uh, I'm not sa- please don't mishear me. I'm not saying it's wrong or sinful to sort of have a middle class existence where you own a home and able to afford holidays and um, all these kinds of things. Uh, That's not what I'm saying. But I wonder if you were honest, would that motto from that song describe your life well? Heaven is a place on earth. The reason uh, I raise this is because what this proverb is all about, I think what the author is trying to do is move God's people from a life of discontented sacrificial godliness. So imagine you're one of God's people. I think that the life we're called to is going to involve being different from the world around us. There's costs, costs in the choices we make, uh, costs in being selfless and generous. If, you know, if we're following Jesus, I think the Christian life is one of sacrificial godliness, living God's way even when it costs us. It costs us you know, socially, costs us financially as we give to church and call to, to be generous. What the author is trying to do is move people from discontented sacrificial godliness to contented sacrificial godliness. In other words, able to live the Christian life uh, in a sustainable way without being downcast and, and envious. Um, from discontented sacrificial godliness to contented sacrificial godliness. But what, what's inconceivable for this author uh, is that one of God's people would not be living a life of sacrificial godliness. In other words, uh, the whole premise of this proverb is that the life of God's people will look different to the life of the wicked. And it's when we find ourselves in that situation... Uh, that we're tempted to envy the wicked. 
So whether, you're, whether you find yourself envying the lives of the wicked, the heaven on earth people, or whether you don't, but you can see the importance of, of living a different life and a life of sacrificial godliness, verse 20 is the key. Um, how do we deal with it? Um, I've been reading this book by Tim Keller. It's called The Way of Wisdom. It's got devotional comments on the Proverbs. And this is what he wrote about the verses that we've, we've read. He says, Envy stems from two preoccupations. First, we're obsessed with what we deserve. Uh, our hearts refuse to remember grace and instead think only of what we have earned. Second, I think this is especially important for this proverb. Second, uh, the, the cause of envy, we are preoccupied with the present. We are preoccupied with the present. In other words, uh, life revolves around earthly things. Uh, that makes sense. That's, that's normal. We, we live on earth. Uh, it's, it's not uncommon or unnatural to look at and experience and pursue earthly things. But when the Bible talks about earthly things, it's, it's talking about temporary things, things that are God's good gifts, but things that don't have eternal significance. And this, verse 20, the author of the proverb is calling God's people uh, to remember eternity. This is my second point, uh, the second heading. Broaden your perspective and keep eternity in mind. So verse 20, don't be agitated by evildoers. Don't envy the wicked. Why? For the evil have no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. We're being reminded here of God's eternal timetable. That in the end, all those that disregard him and um, ignore the call of the Lord Jesus, they will face justice. God sees what people do and he will hold them accountable. This, is, of course, is a scary reality. It's, a, it's an awful thing to be under God's judgment and justice. Uh, but uh, there is great reason for God's people to have hope with eternity in mind. Rather than uh, facing judgment and, and like a lamp being put out, uh, that's the fate of the wicked. We can be assured of eternal life in the new creation with God. See, justice, people, um, it's being rewarded for faithfulness to God. Justice might be postponed. Uh, if you look around, people in this life may have it better than you. That's not a myth. Um, by earthly measures, people might have a better life than you by earthly measures. Justice may be postponed, but it's not forgotten. There'll be a great reversal in the end. Um, Jesus puts it this way in Luke chapter 6. So you need to turn there. Um, this morning, I had these on the slide. Um, Jesus gets this. He gets the great reversal that's coming. And in his Sermon on the Mount, in a section called the Beatitudes, this is what he says. Luke chapter 6. Um, looking up at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, because the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are hungry now, because you will be filled. 
Blessed are you who weep now, because you will laugh. A few verses later, uh, the other category. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort. Woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn and weep. Jesus is saying exactly the same thing here as what's said in Proverbs. And broaden your perspective. Keep eternity in mind. And Jesus gets it. He gets it. He speaks truth because this was his experience. Uh, he went to the cross. He was abandoned uh, by his friends. He was mistreated. He suffered a great injustice. He was crucified. Uh, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He had his vision uh, focused uh, not merely on the present, but the future. And this is the key uh, to snuffing out any envy we have towards the wicked, broadening our perspective. Um, at Christmas, I asked for and got um, an Apple pencil, about five years behind everyone else, um, and a, a paper-like cover for my iPad, which is meant to make your iPad feel like paper. I'm quite happy with it. Um, anyway, I, uh, with these new um, bits of technology, I found myself getting into colouring by number, or some of you will know it as painting by number. You know, there's a, an image, different sections with numbers, colour it in. <coughs> Excuse me. And you can do it on the iPad, right? You can get an image, uh, colour it in with a, with a pencil. Let me. Um, and what I do, um, I want to stay within the lines, right? So I zoom right in on the image and I colour in the sections with the, the Apple Pencil um, and um, it's, I zoom so far in the lines that are all pixelated um, and I colour in all that. Uh, and then, but it's only as I zoom out, I zoom in to colour out, I zoom out that the image that I'm actually working towards uh, becomes apparent. When you zoomed right in, all you can see is little sections to colour in, uh, black lines, you zoom out. That's when you see uh, the beautiful picture emerge, whatever it might be, you know, of a, um, a castle or um, a, a landscape. And I think that's what the Christian life, what's needed. Uh, nothing to do with colouring, of course, but from a temporal perspective, as a matter of timing, uh, wise living means we'll zoom out. Zoom out from this life. Zoom out from earthly things and, and see, see eternity. Because when we do that, we know that there is, there is, there is no sense in envying the wicked. They may, it may look like they have a great life now. We may uh, covet and wish to be in their shoes. But in the scheme of eternity, uh, they're in great danger. And it's an awful thing to be on the wrong side of God and they will face justice. Of course, we don't wish that on anyone. Uh, we need to warn people uh, that in eternity, uh, what's most important is not your house, not your popularity, um, not what possessions you've gained. In eternity, what matters is being reconciled to God. And if we're reconciled to God, uh, there is nothing on earth we need envy. Broaden your perspective and keep eternity in mind.
I said at the start that comparison crushes contentment. Of course, if we're to compare people in this life alone, sure, we might be downcast. There might be reasons uh, for envy. But in eternity, in eternity, uh, comparing ourselves with the wicked makes no sense. Broaden your perspective. Keep eternity in mind. God's justice may be postponed, but it's not forgotten. Why don't we pray? Father, we confess our guilt that we ourselves uh, do wicked things. We thank you that by your kindness in Jesus, um, we belong to your people. We are counted righteous in your sight and therefore have uh, great hope that eternity will uh, be a great time for us. We'll be reconciled with you and enjoy life uh, of peace and joy uh, in the new creation. Father, thank you for the great hope that we have because of Jesus. Help us not not to focus on this life alone and to compare ourselves and envy those who have success uh, in, in an earthly sense. Help us not to envy the wicked or evildoers who serve themselves and seem to advance but rather help us to continue living a life of sacrificial godliness, um, adopting your values, serving your priorities, um, and living in a way which pleases you. Please sustain us in this and help us uh, to continue with an eternal mindset. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.